As he says, as he, uh, ready, I'm fine. Oh. Um, oh, oh, God, get, just get in me. I've got tea, I've got stew cooking, I'm, I'm absolutely not an emotional wreck. We're all good. <laughs> and that big old lubricated penis. Yeah. Let's go! Hello, I'm Dan. I'm Simon. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article each week and we talk about what we find. Simon, what are we talking about this week? This week, Daniel, we are talking about Theo Chocolate. It is one of the, probably the nicest title of an article we've ever had on the show. I am delighted that, as per the rules of Catholicism, this was the first thing we randomised on. It's pleasantly pleasing, isn't it? It's 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 just it, you know. Just let that one roll off the tongue. I almost Theo have no questions. Chocolate. Yeah, I, I just I hear that I hear that title. I go okay. In, it's a, fine. in a way, you're like I want that ignorance. I want to have yeah. that image of like a man who is made of chocolate. Perhaps he's like has the head of a Terry's chocolate orange because Theo chocolate mm. is close enough to Terry's chocolate that it oh, could I think be similar. So. See, yeah. I was a little bit disappointed when I read on uh, because I I hoped that Theo chocolate was a man. Um, mm. It is not. Theo Chocolate is a chocolatier in Seattle, Washington. Established in 2006, it is the first organic fair trade certified cocoa producer in the United States. Wow. So it's actually a uh, a really nice thing. There is a picture uh, of, the, of the building which has Theo Chocolate written on the side. It's a red brick building that looks very... I imagine actually on a nice day it would look lovely. Uh, it's a picture on a very overcast day and it's a bit like, oh, that's that's a letdown. Theo, in my head, it's, it should be like the Willy Wonka factory, but it's just like mm. a squat. It kind of almost looks like a university lab building or something. Um, yeah, really. But uh, this, is, this is a lovely article. So to, to delve into this one, I, I like the fact that for once we've had an article and everyone's just gone, oh, well, that's, uh, tell me more. Like, let's not, mm. let's not get sidetracked by the stories of our lives. Let's actually learn about Wikipedia for once. Um, so... Theo has sourced beans from the Congo, Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Madagascar, Peru, and Venezuela. Uh, apparently, because it's an equatorial crop, cocoa only grows in the United States in Hawaii. So that's why they source from all over. Um, oh, I see. So it's the, f- the first organic fair trade certified cocoa producer in the US, but they take their beans. So they, they, t- they bring the beans from their world and then they, they make the cocoa in the US. And right. let me... Let me tell you a story, because in the history section, I can tell you that the business was established in 2006 by Jeff Fairhall and Joe Huini, um, two lovely names, in the Fremont mm. neighbourhood of Seattle. It's located in a former brewery and trolley car depot. This is literally, this is like Roll Dahl level of how oh nice God. this is. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the founder, uh, um, Jeff Fairhall, the founder of Seattle's Essential Baking Company, I love this man. Um, oh yeah, the E, the E E B C, the S E B C, S E B C. So the S E B won't let me be, so let me see. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, invested in the establishment of Theo Chocolates with Joe Winnie when he was in his early twenties. Winnie volunteered with a small conservation foundation in southern Belize that was looking at the way that communities cultivate their crops. He developed a passion for the oh my god, the Theobroma. 
Theobroma, Theobroma, not sure how you pronounce it, cacao plant, and wanted to get into business while supporting the farmers and contacted 10 bean processors. One responded. While providing this business with organic materials and customers, Winnie was able to start saving up to found a chocolate business of his own. So, oh my God. Did he also manage to, yeah, did he find a golden ticket and suddenly it, get a grant? As soon of- as you involve chocolate, it's like, it's a magical journey, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Roald Dahl really knew what he was like writing about in that sense. It does sound so pure. Yeah, a guy who founded the ba- the Seattle Essential Baking Company teams up with a guy who was in Belize and developed a passion for this particular plant and was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna contact the bean processors." Mm. Like you don't get that in other industries, like I don't know the candle industry or the envelope industry or something. There's no romance yeah. about that. Chocolate is a romantic industry. I'm sure Absolutely. it is. I'm sure it's got a bunch of things wrong with it. And there's probably a Netflix documentary out there about how horrific the chocolate trade is. Um, but um, so uh, where, were, where were we? we? We contacted the bean processors and one responded. The business struggled to find a good supply of organic cocoa beans and came to a halt in 2002. After finding an interested investor in Seattle, the decision was made to build the Theo Chocolate Factory, named after the Theo... Theo Broma, or however you're supposed to pronounce it, cacao tree. I see. And then Fairhole sold all of his other business interests, retaining only the chocolate company. He published more than 30 advertisements in, oh, I definitely thought that said The Strangler, um, The Stranger, which is an alternative bi-weekly newspaper in Seattle uh, about various religious ideas, revelations, and conspiracy theories. He also mentioned his use of magic mushrooms what mm. sorry i'm sorry what this this paragraph is so we've now reached in the willy wonka <laughs> in the willy wonka kind of subplot we've reached this bit where they go through the tunnel and they all have that massive trip yeah and they didn't tell the kid actors so their reactions yeah. are completely genuine yeah that, the, the children are us in this in this scenario so basically very sweet but uh article about this chocolate company and then nice from 2004 to 2006 fairhall sold his other business interests and then something about him publishing advertisements about conspiracy theories and his use of magic mushrooms and then he died of brain cancer in 2007 oh this isn't how willy wonka ends that's not the story no and then there's a gap and then in april 2018 etienne patu a former kellogg's executive became the company's ceo that is i'm not missing anything out that is the gap in in the history paragraph so from 2007 to 2018 nothing noteworthy happened also it was established 2006 our chronology goes in terms of the life cycle of this company 2006 founded 2007 founder dies of brain cancer 2018 a kellogg's executive becomes the company's ceo oh my god uh so who was the one who died fairhall died yeah fairhall because there was another guy what's the other guy doing the other guy i guess is still there joe whinny 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 um it doesn't say anything about him he doesn't have his own wikipedia article so i don't know hmm. uh and then joe joe whinny if you're listening um get in touch get in touch uh, we, we're, we're curious to know what's going on because it sounds delicious uh also it's it says um that the company sells chocolate bars in six different categories classic fantasy limited edition baking kids crunch and holiday hmm. not a lot of those are, art- are like categories that I wouldn't have what, what is fantasy chocolate no idea other than what Lupin gives you yeah it'll eat this it'll help you'll feel eat you'll feel better yeah. um yeah. Um, baking chocolate oh no that's 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 presumably for like you know chocolate brownies and things like that okay so i've gone to the the theo chocolate website oh okay um and i'm on the shop 
and they've they've broken things down into so they go by their 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 chocolates go by season. So we've got fall treats uh, for those not American. That's autumnal <laughs> treats. <laughs> um, we've got things. We've got Pearl Jam, the Home Shows Bar. Seventy um, percent. What, what is Pearl Jam? Pearl, Pearl, it's called Pearl Jam, the home shows, but banding together to fight homelessness, I guess, all sales of this one. Uh, okay. Where, I don't know why it's Pearl, proceeds from this bar benefit the home shows, a program of Pearl Jam's uh, Vitality Foundation. To Okay, the home shows is something about the band Pearl Jam do. Right. Um, to alleviate homelessness in King County. Okay, that's nice. Um, we also have peanut chocolate double chocolate peanut butter cup sorry Ooh. we've got the seattle bar uh, which is 45 percent milk chocolate we've got new turmeric spice uh black quinoa crunch salted toffee cherry almond pure 45 45- the snozberries taste like snozberries <laughs> this is just crazy um wow this looks quite nice oh they've got a ghost oh my god they've got a ghost chili chocolate Ooh. Now I'm not saying we should do this, but we should but buy we should some, try it, and make that. a video. Can you buy some? Because I'm because I'm coming to Exeter yeah. this week, so can okay, you... I'll see if I can order some. I don't know whether it's because oh, for, okay, yeah. So you know, I'd have to buy it in bulk, like okay. do a corporate <laughs> amount of. Um, the wiki has holdings of a ton I wonder of chocolate. If Theo chocolate is on Amazon. Oh, you're thinking Amazon priming it? Yeah, because. I imagine it'll probably be better. Yeah, it is. Oh, could you please get some? We'll have yeah, to record I'll... it and put it on Sponge and Electric. Okay, well, if I do, because now now that I'm on here, um, we need to choose a... Be part of this process, everyone. So, Welcome to a first your... for this podcast, everyone. We are going to be live buying a product that we learned yeah. about from Wikipedia. This is truly groundbreaking stuff. Oh my God, it's, some of them are so expensive. <laughs> crazy well we do have so, our wikicast patreon for a reason and i i don't think that our fans would like anything more than for their money to be spent on buying outrageously expensive and hot chocolate see i don't know if they've got the ghost chili one they've got a they've got just a, a chili one 70 percent dark chocolate a chili um they've got the novelty chocolate bar right what what what, which, what, what is novel about it it literally just says yummy scrummy chocky bar so did russell brand write their descriptions for them yeah apparently so yeah given that this is underwhelming on amazon i will go and i'll buy the ghost chili one how so is 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 the ghost chili one on amazon no sadly not but i can go i can think i can get it off the website as long as they ship internationally yeah and in time yeah so when are you here this weekend yeah this week for the come and sing that the chapel's doing oh of course yeah yeah yeah. okay well i'm gonna get two of them Calculate shipping. Select a country. Uh they don't ship internationally. Uh well. Oh, uh, that's a shame. Well, hang on. Uh, if I go on on Amazon, there is a um, chocolate chocolate. Oh my god! So I can go on it. The Theo chocolate chocolate bar dark chili uh, because there's mm. no A in dark apparently. Uh, that's usually, the one I can see. Usually dispatched within one to three months. F-ing hell. Uh, that's crazy. Okay. Do they do anything on Prime? Also, every single one is currently unavailable. We don't know when this item will be back in stock. Every single bar. Useless. Absolutely useless. Hang on. Have we have we discovered something? The last the last time somebody reviewed any of these chocolates was 2015. 
Have they gone under? Do you reckon that there's something here that we don't know about and it's actually, this is why none of it's available? And there's nothing in their history section. Oh, and there's years missing. They brought in a a Kellogg's executive to turn the company around, maybe. And that was in April this year. Maybe they've gone under. Oh, this is exciting. I want to know where... Okay, so glass door do it, which is somewhere I've I've used before because there's a really, really good chocolate in New Zealand called uh, Whittaker's. Right. Um, and it's the specifically this this Whittaker's is a is a you know there's various different Whittaker's all over the country, but it's specifically the New Zealand one, and it's quite I think it's the best chocolate I've ever had in my life. It's oh. the it's the best. Um, shout out to that new chocolate people in New Zealand. If you know what I'm talking about, email in. And yeah, oh god, it's just. Oh, better yeah. E- oh, I was going to say email us in chocolate. That doesn't make sense. Um, the companies, oh. if you're listening, please do send us free chocolates. Yeah, can we? Let's. Why don't we just we'll petition to Theo Chocolate and see <laughs> if they'll send us some stuff. Dear Theo Chocolate, we have just learned about your excellent product, and uh, we would like to buy some, but we uh, apparently can't. But we can't. So yeah, Ghost you- Chili. Come on, it'll be hilarious. It would be amazing. We will 100% make a video for you on our channel, which gets tens of views yeah, um it'll be quite something um i mean I'm, I, it does it does appear that they're still operational because i just found an article in august saying they've just named a new chief marketing officer wow so they are still well he needs to up his game because currently you can't buy shit anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean it sounds delightful yeah. um, oh there's loads of videos of that on youtube theo chocolate mission values Recipes and sweet secrets from... The three sections in this article are history, references, and then between those two, video case. Hmm. Cengage Learning produced a six-minute, 44-second BizFlix video case titled Theo Chocolate. Oh, it's a case study. Right. That would have been helpful. Wow, this is... We've gone very deep on this one. I don't know if we've ever gotten so invested in an article before. What's What's gone into us? Oh, I might be able to get it off eBay. Ooh. Oh, no, that's a thought. This is... Okay, this is a true hunt now. Uh, I said hunt, H-U-N-T. I want the I want the ghost chilli one. Theo Chocolate chilli. Yeah, they've just got the normal... The normal chilli one, which is a bit sad. I'm not going to rest until I've managed to get a ghost chilli one. <laughs> this has if become you, our quest. If you live in America and you want to ship us... <laughs> Oh please! You want to order some stuff and send it to us? We'll 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 give you a shout out and we'll do a video and we'll we'll I don't know we'll 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 FaceTime or Skype you personally of us both eating it as a yeah. thank you before we make the video. And we'll have a chat just to this would be amazing. I, um, I'm 100 percent behind that. If you want to send it to us, it's spongyelectric at gmail.com. I don't know how you're going to send it via the interwebs, but we'll, we'll you'll work find out. We'll have to give you an address at some point. Yeah, a nondescript. It's ex. It's Mary Mary Harris Chapel. <laughs> we can Send ask, it all through we there. Can ask the chaplain if she's willing to take delivery of a suspect package for us. Yeah, yeah. Like hundred percent not drugs. It's just chocolate. Well, actually, it's just do, chocolate. do you have like a pigeonhole at the cathedral that you could use? Yeah, you could send it to the cathedral uh, office, I suppose, and then I, it'll be delivered to me. Yeah, because we know the people in the cathedral office. Like, yeah. Uh, oh, this is this is gold. Okay. But we'll have to do that because I am mm. so now invested in Theo Chocolate's Ghost Chili Chocolate. Oh, man. I want to, yeah. Ugh. I really hope it just absolutely blows your bloody head off. That's yeah. the thing. A really intense kind of, because I like, you know, I like spice. And in fact, 
haven't we may have mentioned it before where was the, was it the atomic place you went atomic burger, you yeah. ate the spiciest thing ever and it nearly killed you yeah that was that was one of the, the least pleasant experiences of my entire life um Good lord which I, I we may end up doing again at some point. I feel like I, I, I really want to try it. I, I would be a hundred percent up for going with you and doing it. And like, if we, especially if we can get like a private room and film it properly, I think it'd be hilarious. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've actually talked about the article for quite a while. I felt like I should ask you what's been going on. How is how is my boy in the cathedral doing? Ah, oh, it's a thrill. It's a joy. It's every day's a lesson. Um, no, I'm I'm having a really good time. We had a we had a pretty fraught weekend. Um, we had ordinations on Saturday. So I had ordinations two weeks ago for deacons um, and now it was priests, um, which was very emotional, but but it was the same music, so it wasn't too bad. I then had Eucharist and, uh, and Evensong on Sunday where we did a really hairy um, <laughs> uh, arrangement of the, the Magnificat Nunc Dimittis by a guy called Hewitt Jones, somebody Hewitt Jones, and it's his uh, his setting for Magdalen Oxford, and there is no recording of it, so I don't know why I'm going into this level of detail. But I can tell you that it was it was a bit, a bit of a pig to sing. It was one of those pieces, I think, much like when we were introduced to some stuff in the chapel choir. You'd tr- you'd you'd pick it up in rehearsal for the first time and look at it. Except obviously, the difference with the cathedral is you just get given the music a week before, mm. and when you sing it, you have to know it. So I'd, I'd kind of given it a playthrough and was like, okay. And because you hadn't heard it, I hated it. And then in the service, we rehearsed it for about you know fifteen minutes beforehand, and kind of I fell in love with it a bit because it's really different. I haven't heard a setting like it. It's really unique and not in a, a kind of Kenneth Layton. Oh, it's just crunchy as sin, and that's what <laughs> makes it different. It's just a really unique, yeah, it's a really unique arrangement. Anyway, so that was kind of fun, um, but what that meant was it was an incredibly busy um, weekend. I sang in a concert on Saturday. Um, the extra Philharmonic needed a, uh, a tenor to kind of boost their tenor section. So I sang the Foray Requiem, which oh, is a nice. lovely piece. Yeah. Uh, and the, what is it? Now I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Vorjak, is it? Dvorak, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, his mass in D. Oh, I've not heard that, I don't think. It's very high. It's very good. Um, and it was a lot of fun. So I did that on Saturday night, which was really cool. And then I got to meet some of the new choral scholars because I nipped in on uh, to the new chapel choir social because of course the new choir has been um put together now the new scholars have been contacted and accepted and there is now a new uh, you know we have a full choir for the for the chapel choir which is really cool so i got to meet some of them at a social as i i kind of knocked on the lounge door i let myself into the house and i was in like full black tie coming from this concert carrying <laughs> uh, some beers and kind of came through so it was a bit of a kind of in at the deep end oh hi yeah and of course i was immediately ripped it ripped into me to you know oh you're in the cathedral court oh did you go to a concert oh you... <laughs> no, so, so. thanks guys you've really become nice. that old guy that turns up and like some of the the old choir members know and then the new people are like oh my god who's that they're at the cathedral yeah. uh, uh, they must be yeah. good and little do they know little do you know i'm actually a, a massive shit muncher yeah <laughs> um but, uh, Great use yeah, of the so word. It, it was nice. It was nice to meet them. That was really fun. But it, but it, yeah. All in all, it was a really, really, really busy weekend and quite a busy week actually. It was the first week back, academic, you know, the, the academic year. So, I've I've taken great solace in in not having much to do today at all. 
Um, I did a bit of reading, which is always good. I've, I'm currently making a stew. As we, well, I'm not making it. It's in the cupboard. I'm not sitting in the kitchen doing everything really quietly. Um, it's in the oven. It's been in there for about three hours. Um, low and slow. It's going to be pretty good. It's a Gordon Ramsay recipe. And then I've already made the dumplings that we'll put in later. So when um, when James gets home, new housemate, uh, we can have a nice dinner. I'm basically a housewife. And... Uh, as anyone really surprised? Absolutely not. I mean, no, not at no. all. <laughs> we should we should but point out. So we didn't do an episode last week, despite the fact that the very previous week we said we were hopefully not going to miss a single one. That this is, is true. This yeah. was entirely of due to stuff out of our control, basically. Yeah. Um, I can't. You, you know, you would know that I would be ripping the shit out of Dan if yes. it was something to do with him, and he would be doing the same to me. It was just stuff beyond our control. Um, yeah. When we were supposed to record, stuff happened. So, yeah. you know, we, we just thought we'd leave it for the week. Uh, but it does yeah, now mean we we're... have more to talk about, because yeah, so much now. has happened. I mean, so the, since, since we last recorded, I um, uh, two things I should probably bring up. Actually, no, I'll bring, I'll bring up one thing now, and then one thing in Critics Corner. Um, okay. The thing I'll bring up now is I went to Eton and gave a talk. Oh, which, yeah. Which was quite an amazing experience actually um yeah. because i as people will see have seen by now by the time this comes out i'm doing a new vlog series or i'm doing a monthly vlog um and i'll, I'll sort of talk about it and show the experience in that a bit um mm. uh the sort of the decision to go there wasn't necessarily an easy one because so much of what i've done online has been access stuff you know it's been mm. trying to um, level the playing field and help kids from backgrounds like mine to sort of see that they can go to oxbridge and to undo not undo but to try and give them equivalent advantages to the advantages that kids from you know people people that go to eton their kind of advantages that they have and it was a really interesting experience to go there and because I accepted, partly because I just wanted to give a talk and get better at, you know, doing that. Um, but mm. also to see what their side of the fence was like, you know, to see yeah. the people who aren't being targeted by access and why the school is so successful. Because mm. I feel like a very common response to Westminster and Eton and rugby and Harrow and all these places having very high rates of admission to Oxbridge is oh they know the tutors so that's why they're getting in which isn't which isn't true like um I have never seen in my personal experience a single case of a tutor letting someone in because they know them or because there's like mm -hmm. a connection they the reason these kids get in is partly because the the education they get it's so fantastically academically are like 80 percent mm. of eton i think or a stars in in their mm. subjects um at gcse um but it's in going there you see the other advantages they have so for example there were clubs for oxbridge admission for each subject so there was an oxbridge medical club so just mm. for kids who were applying for medicine at oxbridge and you know there was one for physics there was one for i can't maths or biology um mm. so the kids who i was talking to the sixth formers i was talking to them about what they were doing and just sort of you know hearing that kind of thing that kind of structure existing um mm. and also the fact that they have um half the teaching staff of physics have phds for one thing uh, there are 10 physics teachers and i think it was four might have been five of them have phds um and there's a tutorial system where they go to the, tutor, the the teacher's houses and sort of have a chat about how things are going and get help with personal statements, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And it was quite sort of interesting in the sense that walking around the school must have felt for me like how other people who didn't go to Oxbridge for undergrad feel when they go and look around Oxbridge in the yeah. sense that 
not only is this a sort of a structure, like an, an institution that I have no part in, that I don't know what happens behind those closed doors, and so I kind of assume the worst and see all the white tie and the fancy dress and all that kind of thing and think it's very strange. But at the same time, um, the, the architecture of the school is exactly the same as a lot of Cambridge colleges. The chapel is uh, the sister chapel to King's College Chapel, Cambridge. Um, mm. There are so many things which make th- those kids... Um, if they were to visit Oxbridge and have a look around the colleges, to not feel entitled, but to feel like this is a natural continuation of what I've been doing up until now with my life. Mm. Like that the school... It's like the next logical step. Yeah, in a way, Oxbridge just feels like an extension of the school. And mm. I think that is, in a way, the most powerful advantage that those that those kids have, is that just thinking that it's not unusual to apply and to get in. Because I think for most kids, certainly from my background in state school, state comp backgrounds, it's not assumed that you will apply in, and it's absolutely not assumed that you will get in. Mm. And so that puts so many people off sort of without even they, they, they don't even consider it. Um, yeah. Whereas I think it would be unusual to not consider it in a school yes. like Eton. Um, I'd be very interested, incidentally, if, if uh, anyone in the the readership is at Eton and wants to challenge me on this. So this was my impression based on a single evening going there and eating in the hall, uh, which was like an Oxbridge College hall, um, yeah. and giving a talk in this auditorium that was like an Egyptian temple. Uh, it was opened a couple of years ago and it was literally like an Egyptian temple. It was bizarre. Um, in, a, in a quad that was opened by Prince Charles. Um, of course. <laughs> you know, like, I'd be very interested to hear your opinion because mine is based on, yeah, a single evening. Um but yeah, it was a really interesting experience going. Like, yeah. very, very strange. Well, uh, it's interesting you say, I mean, two of the current choral scholars at the cathedral and the new organ scholar are all old Etonians. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while they, you know, there'll be times maybe on an evening, certainly when um, the, two, the, two, the, the new choral scholar and new organ scholar joined, they'd kind of reminisce about mm. their time there. But I've there's never been a sense of, you know, privilege and and, and yeah, the, kind of just unpleasant. You know, the it's, kids it's... themselves who I were talking to were lovely. Like <clears> you know, <throat> the completely normal kids. If you were to take them out of that context of how ridiculous the situation we were in was, um, yeah. and it isn't a case of oh well, you didn't go to Eton kind of thing. Mm. Oh, you know, your family doesn't own land. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, they they were completely normal, and that goes for the Etonians that I met at Oxford too. They they were you know i think in some cases quite keen to distance themselves from the school because of the impression yeah. that people get of them but yeah because the, the i was talking to, to one of the guys who was there who was a choral scholar at eton and they they did a um a parry festival uh oh, cool and and it was and as he pointed out that means singing the same core progressions over and over and over again um yeah. but yeah like comparing you do, you, notes. there is no doubt that it's parry when you're when you're singing and stuff there's a i mean that's i guess that's kind of true with like any ma- composer with like a massive, certainly choral, with a massive output, you know, you, you can usually pretty easily identify who it is. Mm. Um, well, actually, on that note, should we should we take a, a a quick skip over to critics' corner so I can criticize something else? Absolutely, let's go. <laughs> okay, we're gonna go now. But wait, hang on, sorry, I timed that wrong. We're gonna go. No, oh wait, now. <laughs> Uh, the other thing which I wanted to talk about was on Saturday night, I had yeah. a very interesting experience. I went to a 
centenary concert of uh, Holst's The Planets. Mm, I remember seeing the photo actually. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, it was exactly a hundred years ago since the it was first um, performed. Now I'm going to have to quickly double check this because I think the first um, performance was a private one that was paid for because because Holst was leaving his post, um, and um, a friend of his paid for the musicians to be able to put on this work that Holst had written as like mm. a. A farewell present and yes it was in front of an audience of 250 people 29th of september 1918 um and then the public first public performance was in 1920 um and what was special about the performance um that i went to was um it the one and only professor brian cox was giving lectures about sort of mini lectures of like five minutes uh, about the planets before each movement and oh, cool and um it, what was interesting was linking how holst perceived the planets to how we now perceive them with all the benefit of how many you know well 100 years more science um and you know in some cases that worked very well and for jupiter for example he was talking about how we now associate the tune that we now call Thaxted, the the classic you know when you think of jupiter the or the um uh i vow to thee my country yeah uh, tune um we associate that very much with nationalism patriotism and all that kind of thing and yet mm. holst was a very deep deeply convicted socialist um mm. and how uh, when we got to jupiter with a spacecraft we took the famous pale blue dot uh, image um showing how the earth was just a tiny pixel in this, mm. this huge landscape and how you know carl sagan wrote this lovely thing about how um you know conquerors of old have shed rivers of blood to be master of a tiny fraction of a dot um and how you know science can be used as this great kind of collaborative notion this this thing that brings everyone together a common cause that allows us to transcend national borders and so maybe we can convert thaxted being this patriotic idea of being sort of turning inwards and make it more um associated with that idea of togetherness and and coming together and for a greater ideal and that was lovely. And there was this moment where it was very, very powerful and the audience broke out in spontaneous applause. And then at the same time, before Mars, he was like, you know, everyone associates this with mechanized warfare and all that kind of thing. What if we were to associate it with exploration? And when we go to mm. Mars, we will become the Martians and we will take mm. the planet for ours. And it was very much as if like you were a Warhammer explorer <laughs> just like imagine mars playing and be like the planet is ours it's ours yeah. now we own it we own this land um it was just very like a great it was like you know in the most violent sections of the piece trying to remember his words and i was like no nah, that doesn't work at all brian this is mm. the most violent piece of music because that was the thing in the program notes that came with it you realize like compare that to other pieces at the time and and you know and you have to sort of forget what it sounds like because it's it's so in our in our psyche what the music of the planets is that you mm. can't really imagine a world without it but imagine hearing that for the first time in 1918 yeah it would have been insane like it was you, you sort of it's a, it was this monumental work in the modernist kind of tradition like mm. which is strange in the sense that like it was based on astrology like the astrological characters of these planets and yet it was a, a piece that kind of was bursting into modernity and yeah, associated what we what with science now um yeah. fascinating really fascinating piece really um i'd love to hear it live i know i have a friend who went to the proms and and heard it conducted um i think it was i know he definitely heard john wilson orchestra do um i think it was him doing the planet suite and 
Oh, what's that musical with the Jets? West Side Story. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it may have been it may have been somebody else. But I know he heard, but he heard mm. West Side Story and uh, the Planet Suite. And John Wilson is an amazing conductor, and his orchestra is just incredible. Because the thing um, the thing with with hearing it live is, you know, the end of the, the end of Neptune is the one of the most amazing things mm. you know because it's it, for those of you that don't know it, it's uh, the only part of the suites that has voices scored for it except the voices are specified that they're off stage and they're in a separate room and as the piece comes to the last bar the singers repeat the last bar over and over and over again whilst the door um to the room that they're in is slowly closed and yeah. so you get this sense of incredible distance. And it's one thing to hear it in a recording, but I can, it, being in the Barbican in London with an mm. orchestra in front of you and then somewhere behind it, some unspecified distance, and you never know how far away they are, to hear that and to hear it get quieter and quieter, it was amazing. Yeah, it's it been incredible. Um, yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, the, if I was to criticise it, the music was fantastic. Uh, although what they chose to do was to do a video presentation with the music um mm. and it was a bit like a sixth form was putting on a production in the, oh, really? in the sense that like it was just sort of images of for example mars and it was like bang 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 cut 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 yeah like no fair like in some cases it worked very nicely like for example with mercury when when it got to a very playful part of the mercury suite there were uh, a series of um videos of mercury uh, transiting the sun so going in front of the sun you can see this planet speeding along and it, and it worked very well but then yeah mm. like there were points where it was just like cut 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 and it was really distracting um and also at one point when they when saturn i think it i think it was saturn started they started showing a picture of Jupiter and then a picture of Saturn and then a picture of Uranus and then back to a picture of Saturn. <laughs> and it was a bit like someone was frantically oh, get them all mashing in. a button. Like, yeah. Um, like when they go to, they skip too far ahead in a, in a PowerPoint. And they're like, oh, yeah, which yeah. one was Ooh, it? Ooh, I've ruined ooh, that ooh. bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you've got, to, you've got to go through each animation on the slide really awkwardly quickly. You've got this text like, okay, yeah. coming through. <laughs> So uh, that, was a bit, that was a bit crap. But, uh... The anima- the um, the anniversary point you made. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the Symphonic Even Song on Sunday, which is a yearly, uh, oh, yearly is that event this that... Sunday? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, a yearly event that happens with uh, uh, Exeter Cathedral Choir, University Exeter Chapel Choir, and uh, the Exeter or- I forget which orchestra. It may well be Philharmonic, but I could be wrong. Um, let me check. Anyway, um, the anthem is um, Parry's Blessed Pair of Sirens. Oh, nice. And it's the, we didn't realise that uh, Exeter Symphony Orchestra. There we go. Um, it's the, um, I think it's like, I forget what it is. It's the anniversary of his death, basically, on that day. Oh, really? And yeah, we, this was a, um, I was having a chat with um, the director of music at the cathedral in the pub. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, I, found, I just actually kind of did a bit of I did a bit of kind of searching around and realised that this happens to be the day that's on, which is awesome." Oh wow! That's like... Awesome music, to be fair. The introit is "My Beloved Spake" by um, Hadley. I don't think I know that. It's awesome. It's the first piece I ever sang when I deputised at Exeter Cathedral. It's the anthem, oh. and the the piece is amazing. But. I've only just within the past couple of weeks heard the orchestral arrangement and it's like a different piece. It's just incredible. Then we've got Great is the Lord by Elgar um, as the psalm, uh, Stanford in B-flat and uh, Blessed Pair of Sirens by Parry. And then I imagine it's probably going to be something like 
Smith or Rose for the responses, something nice and uh, loud. So whilst um, you were talking, by the way, um, I, I'm on the wiki for, for the planet. You know, I said that um, the premiere was a gift by someone else. I yeah. didn't. I, I didn't realize who it was. It was a name that I'd never thought I'd see in any other context. The uh, the premiere was financed by H. Balfour Gardner. No, oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Evening him. Yeah, I've never heard yeah. his name anywhere else. That's very cool. But yeah, he was a friend of Hulk's apparently. So uh, oh. there we go. That was that was a, that was a fun little thing. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, so so yeah, sorry, I've I've been rambling on. What do you have anything that you would like to criticise today? Well, I got I finally got round to watching Solo, a Star Wars story. Ah, yes, yes. You, you briefly mentioned this before we started recording. And yes, your verdict yeah. was it was I, okay. Yeah, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I watched it and I thought, you know what, I wanted to stick it on. I did. I watched it. I was like, that was quite fun. And I just kind of consumed it. And, and that was it. You know, I didn't really give it too much thought. I thought the story was pretty cool. I thought the way that, that you know, the the actually, the I thought the casting was, was really quite good. It's been criticised a lot for, you know, um, just having these massive names in it that absolutely don't need to be there. Mm. Um, uh, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to pull up. Um, I forget. I always forget his name. Um, what is he? Anyway, the guy who played um, Han Solo was awesome. Uh, yeah, the presence of Woody Harrelson and Emilia Clarke is it, entirely unnecessary. Is it Taron um, Egerton? Egerton, something like that. Alden Ehrenreich. Oh no, because he, he was the guy from Hail Caesar, wasn't he? Yes, and I thought he was really good. Okay. I think he was very well cast, and he he clearly done enough of it, like to be his his own younger interpretation. But equally. Um, He'd done enough, kind of clearly looking and working with um, thingy Harrison Ford. Dan, yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> Your memory's to like, like a pick up on today. little mannerisms and similarly with um, oh <laughs> Donald Glover. Sorry, sorry, Donald Glover's um, performance. And can you was remember, can you remember who La- played uh, Lando La- Calrissian yeah, Lando, in the first one? Yeah, Land- Lando Calrissian. Yeah, but who played him in the first one? Who played Lando Calrissian? Yeah, in the first movies. Can you remember their name? <laughs> I'm just testing your memory now. I absolutely know who played Lando Calrissian in the first movie, but I want to know whether you know. He says typing. <laughs> yeah. It was Billy it was D. Obviously, Williams. It was obviously played by that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> As he says, closing the tab, he'd say. <laughs> <through. laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I, I should watch it, really, because I, I think everybody basically had the reaction of, eh? When it came out, mm. everyone was like, oh, I might go and see it, which is the first time that's ever happened with a Star Wars film. It's either I'm de- I'm definitely not going to see it or I absolutely have to see it. Yeah, I think I, it probably was following the ro- the Rogue One. Everyone, you know, given the, given the kind of the interesting reception that had. The only reason I watched Solo was I was listening to a, an old Triforce podcast episode um, and Sips mentioned that he'd uh, he'd watched it him and his wife watched it and he said it yeah he said i really liked it I, I thought it was going to be really awful but actually it was quite a lot of fun um so i i decided to take the chance it was it's, ju- it's also just become available to rent on um, itunes so um ah, right. i thought i'd grab it and but yeah it's it's cool you know i'm glad I, i'm glad i didn't pay full price in a you know um cinema to go and see it but equally it's all right you know it's quite a lot of fun oh well i mean uh, yeah I, I will have to try especially now it's um rentable 
Um, because mm. I do, I, I'm going to go see the. Uh, is it, I think it's called A Star Is Born, uh, the one with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Because apparently that's excellent. Oh yeah, I heard the. Um, I saw the interview on Graham Norton about it, mm. um, where um, uh, Lady Gaga's talking about um, Bradley Cooper's singing voice. Yes, yes, I, 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 Pixel Gun, I just watched that before we um, yeah. I, I came to recording. Um, along with Lady Gaga meeting, uh, is it June Brown, the lady who plays Dot in EastEnders, and mm. the two of them getting along like an absolute house on fire? Yes, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm definitely going to go see that. And there was another thing that I was thinking of watching that's coming out soon. There's there's some interesting stuff coming along um, mm. down down the pike. If, is that an actual expression? Because I heard that in an ASMR video. Um, down the pike? Yeah, I always thought it was down the pipe. But, uh, oh, apparently it's in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Uh, hang on. Oh, coming, yeah. I don't know. In so the, you say that and I think of Gordon. Gordon Pike. Gordon's mm. alive. Um, Man, the myth and Oh, legend. pike is short for turnpike. Right. So it means that you know, you know, as in like a road that um, tolls were collected on. Oh, I see. Right. Um, so it kind of means the same thing as turn uh, down the pipe. But I, yeah, I heard it in um in a in a video, and I was like, that's not a real phrase. What's this? Mm. What's this guy talking about? Um, I think I'm going to stick with pipe. Yeah, I'll stick with pipe. But yeah, the, the, there is some um, there are some interesting mo- movies coming out. I think at the moment he says googling movies coming out soon. Um, Oh yeah, Venom. Um, I'm gonna miss. Um, but uh, I'm gonna try and get a group of people together to watch The Nun because I'm a little bit invested in the um, uh, that that's that series. And of course, you you've got Fantastic Beasts to look forward to as well. Yeah, true. true. Well, oh, the- whether I'm looking forward, I'm just really scared to be honest. As a the you first, know, the first the- one was it was fine. It was the it solo was all- of Harry Potter movies. It was okay. It was all right. I just, I really loathe how much that the entire, the the magic part of the films, which arguably is one of the largest parts of a Harry Potter um, universe, it just turn it just turns into flick your wand and lightning happens and then stuff. You know that's it. Whereas, you know the this, it's so not that's so not the point. You know there's a degree of of thought and what what she'd done in terms of actually just thinking up intuitive spells and even if they just said some of the words mm. or did at least try and do something that wasn't just kind of like oh how cool can you look flicking a piece of wood like that's not the point there is a particular movement on the kind of like the spell charting of anyway i'm a huge nerd talk about it no, but, but I, I agree and I, I mean to be fair like from a filmmaking perspective i also feel like they've wasted a lot of opportunities with um, where they basically retreading the whole mudbloods being um, being a parallel for racism, mm, you know. Yeah. Like I, I feel, I feel like they they've missed an opportunity to make it as about a different issue. Like you know, it's it's Newt Scamander. It should be about the environment. It should be about mm. extinction or environmental degradation or something like that. A parallel to climate change. And they, they were like, nah, we're going to do the racism thing again. Yeah. That's- well, they've also had this whole big. This um, there's been a load of. Uh, uh, like backlash over the casting of Nagini. Nagini's cast as someone. Yeah, so it, it's um, Scarlett Johansson. Is it? No, it's <laughs> she plays not. everyone. Um, Nagini. Here we go. So, bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. There is a bear with him, everyone. So, is this first? Yeah. So 
from from what I've seen in pictures, it looks like Nagini was a person. Yeah, the latest trailer for the next film in the Harry Potter prequel series introduces to us Nagini's human form working as a shapeshifter in Circus Arcanus. So, um, what? She's, yeah, she's so, a shapeshifter. Yeah. What that? She's a snake. <laughs> yeah. Well, so a new theory on MuggleNet reckons Nagini will permanently transform into her snake form that same year because we don't know if Nagini was ever true, just a snake. Right. But it may well be that. Oh, this, she, this that's, is now that's that's maybe slightly angry about it now. It's like there's. Well, ugh. this is what I mean. It's these little details and things that annoy me because there's especially when you forget that. You know, this film is explicitly about um, Grindelwald, but we we saw him in the previous film, but and there are moments where... about Grindelwald. Get, like I feel like no, it uh, yeah, be. I know that's the, that's true, that's absolutely true and fair. But given that that's you know that is a fake character they're focusing on, he was like in terms of his like power, Voldemort trumped him, mm. but he was still just insanely gifted. And all that you see, you know, like, it's just, oh, if he's a really good mu- like mag- musician, if he's a really good magician, he doesn't just kind of flick his wand about and that's it. So much of it's about, you know, hopefully this film will do a little bit more, but I personally found the, you know, some of the bits that they focused on in Fantastic Beasts, the first film, um, were just, they didn't seem right to me. There were there are other things going on. And I thought, you know, like, hence, you know, the, the, the um, Credence Barebone. Oh yeah, played, yeah, yeah. Played by that guy whose name I also forget. Um, <laughs> it's he's got a weird name. Um, he's brilliant, and his his backstory was super interesting. Um, and hopefully he'll have a bit more of a kind of Ezra Miller. That's it. Mm. Um, and we get to see Jude Law's interpretation of uh, Dumbledore. Yeah, which is one of the few things about it that I'm actually interested in. Mm-hmm. Just, Zoe Kravitz as Lestrange. Uh, have we seen? No, we haven't seen that before, have we? No, we saw a picture of her in the first, like, like yes, a picture frame. Yes, we did in Scamander's new to, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's gonna be good. Like, uh, I mean, the the, the the two that I'm looking forward to there's there's Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, the the mm-hmm. Queen biopic. Oh, that looks super. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm actually in a bit of a a Queen phase at the moment. To be fair, um, because uh postmodern jukebox did a version of who wants to live forever which is mm. excellent and it's an underrated song and it's an absolute banger and people should listen to it um, mike myers is in that film in bohemian rhapsody mike myers yeah john adams oh okay um, he's playing ray foster oh okay I had no idea. That, well, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, mm. So, so that, and then also because I'm, I'm, I've got a soft spot for it. Um, I'm gonna definitely gonna go see Creed two because mm. I'm a big fan of the Rocky films. I still, I still need to see the original Creed. The reason Creed two is caught my is because it's got the, the villain as the son of Ivan Drago from Rocky four, who is mm. the best villain of all time. Um, and yeah, as soon as he came up in the trailer, I was just immediately 100% invested and I was, I was definitely going to go and see it. So um, yeah, there, there is some stuff coming out. There's also Mortal Engines, Google is reminding me. Oh, yes. The, that's Peter Jackson, isn't it? Yeah, Peter Jackson. And it's a very interesting concept, you know, it's mm. with the novel that it's based on. So yeah, there's there's stuff coming out. Um, you know, we're not, we're, not to- we're not totally being starved here, but no. yeah... 
I just need to I need to watch more stuff. Although actually I, I say that I need to watch more stuff that's not YouTube because I was looking at my um I tweeted it earlier, my average YouTube watch time per day <clears throat> is about four and a half hours. Strong. Because you can see it. Have you got the YouTube app on your phone? Uh I think I used to and then I went through a bit of a purge. I don't really watch much anymore, to be honest. Because I mean, can... you can look at the statistics of how much you watch. Um Okay, how let's see, how do I do that? So have you got the app? On, yeah. on your phone. So if you go to your... oh, time watched, yeah, got it. Yeah, there you go. Well, I just said that without moving my lips. My daily average is one and a half hours. So that's still substantial. Yeah. Um, I seem to have had more than almost everybody who replied to the tweet with their numbers, apart from the Mustache Man who had like six and a half hours or seven or it might have even. Hang on, I'll see. I've got because Cameron deserves the credit of, yeah. of having the correct number of hours. A lot um, of people use it as like a podcast thing that they stick on the background. They're right. I yeah, guess that's or, the or other thing music. to consider. I do that. Yeah, true. Um, I think. See, the only stuff that I really, I actively go like, oh, I really am keen to watch this. Is usually something like you know, hat films. But I'm selective with their stuff now. Yeah. Um, uh, Brad Leone, who I've mentioned from Bon Appetit, yeah. he does the Staying Alive thing, which I think is just hilarious. In fact, I will just watch the playlist on repeat because he he really mm. makes me laugh. Mm. And sorted food. Okay, so yeah. you know you you follow the things you follow. They update regularly enough that you don't. Need yeah, anything else. I've still got like a stupid number of subscribers, and my my feed is always clogged full of just you know, yeah. mad you know mad mad things. But I wonder if it's a way of counting how many subscribers that you've got subscriptions that you have. Yeah, sub- yeah. Sorry, I don't. It won't tell me, but uh, it's a pretty hefty list. No, it, I don't know if there is. I think there might be on the mobile app, maybe. Certainly not on desktop. No. Um. So, yeah, because I mean, yeah, Cameron uh, watch on average six hours, 50 minutes per day. Good effort. So, Jesus Christ, Cameron, as I said well in done. my tweet to you. Um, yeah, so I need to watch less YouTube, I think. I need to watch more other stuff. Hmm. Good God, we've been going for 50 minutes now. We, we said at the start, before we Crikey. started recording, um, we're both quite keen to do a relatively short episode today because I'm feeling yeah. I've got a bit of a cold. I'm feeling a bit under the weather. And Dan's and just... I need to check my stew. Well, do you, do you want to do that whilst we navigate yeah. en route to navigating to uh, Patreon Corner? Top lad. Oh, okay. So we're all good. The stew is looking absolutely fine. I reckon it needs another half an hour and then I can get my uh, dangle my dumplings in, as it were. Um, but here we are. We find ourselves in Patreon Corner. This is the time and uh, moment of the podcast where we like to thank those who give so generously to keep what we do alive um we have our top lads we have our uh, team cat and team dog we we'll update do. you that in we a moment we also need to thank dan's dumplings for we do for just being um, there just you know just hanging you know <laughs> just hanging um but yeah this this moment is specifically a massive thank you to our top lads um who uh, who, who who give so generously so uh, simon do you want to kick us off I would love to, Daniel. First few thank yous. I'd like to say a massive thank you to David Scahill, Kyle Much, and Matt Maguire. I'd like to follow that with a huge thank you from Dan Hanvey, Marut Fakira Punyuat, and Billy Toulson. Also, thanks must go to the Moustache Man, Fee Gascoigne, and Connor Pull the Levers. We've got another thank you from Choco Cat, who I think is a... a uh, brand new, as we were talking, a, I think. <laughs> in f- fact, it's it's literally today. Yeah. The 1st of October. Wow, Choco Cat, thank you so much. Welcome. 
Um, Lewis Watson and Ben McMurtry. Who we can't confirm work for the Theo Chocolate Company as well, but you know, mm. they might do. But you never uh, know. Also, thanks go to Simon Torseth, Elliot Conway and Lachlan Woods. We've got Geordie Eschendahl, Davi Schram Vontabel and Tapio Kirkenham. Oh, I do I do like a bit of tapio. Um, yeah. Thanks also to Jay Wright, Ben Dent, wonderful Stephen. Henry Brewster, Habiba Amjad, Eric Davis. Isabella Ostrowski, Rory Healy and John Mannion. And those are our top Amazing. lads. Thank you so much, guys. Who, Thank you so much. Who yeah. fund our um, donation to Wikimedia every month, who keep the podcast servers going. They pay for the hosting and also now pay for our rampant, expensive chocolate uh, addiction. Yes, so, absolutely. but as well as those guys, so those those are the people that give five bucks a month. If that is a bit beyond you, that you can also support us by pledging a dollar a month to either mm. Team Dog or Team Cat. And well, Dan, do you want to? Can you break the news about this? Yeah, sure. So you're as as I'm sure is going to be an absolute shock. Uh, Team Dog are still again in the lead with 33 patrons to Team Cat's measly 26. Team Dog, Come ever on, so proud. Well guys. done, guys. Just ah. Oh. Come on, if you are a cat lover and you like this podcast, then for the love of God, you can afford a dollar a month and you can help me rub it in Dan's smug face and help us pay for more chocolate, okay? That's really what I care about here, but I also want to rub it in Dan's face that that, the cats are, in fact, the superior household pet. He's not bitter or competitive at all. Unlike the chocolate from Thea Chocolate, which is neither bitter (laughs) nor competitive. (laughs) Very nice, that's good. There we go. Oh, pay us for advertising. Theo, yeah. if you're listening, right? It's, it's no one, no one actually called Theo, <laughs> but Mr. Chocolate, if you're listening, hook us up. <laughs> Top lad. So we have an email here from Anonymous, uh, and Anonymous apologises for the text wall. Uh, please summarise the information in any way you wish to make it more podcast friendly. So I may skim this, uh, and then. Um, You'll get a condensed version. So, Anonymous writes, uh, they are a sophomore attending a STEM university in a small town in rural Missouri, USA. They consider themselves left-wing, have a living where they do. They have no choice but to befriend some uh, right-wing people, basically. Uh, Most of them, uh, they are delighted to say, are wonderful people who just happen to disagree with them on certain issues. However, um, there is an apartment mate who, starting at the beginning of the year, I thought was unpleasant but willing to give them a chance. Very quickly, uh, Anonymous decided that they do not like this person. He frequently makes vulgar, racist, sexist or homophobic comments, uses the N-word often with a hard R. Uh, Oh, wow. Unfortunately, not an uncommon thing on campus. I've heard secondhand Mm -hmm. that even professors sometimes say it. Jesus Christ. Uh, I lived with my roommate, note, different from an apartment mate, in a different dorm last year, and we got along great. He's a typical redneck stereotype, complete with conservative leanings, and I have reason to believe that he's a good person at heart, despite being fast friends with aforementioned apartment mate and joining in on his hateful tendencies, particularly the homophobic ones. Apart from the obvious, the problem with this is that I am myself a bisexual male who has a girlfriend they do not know about my lgbt status and don't even know about my political leanings i've kept them hidden for over a year and now fear of judgment uh, fearful of judgment most of my friends on campus are mutual friends of my roommate though the two closest ones have stated they consider me a closer friend now than him uh i will now describe a few more grating examples oh boy this could get very dark very quickly of this apartment mate's behavior i understand if these are not appropriate for the podcast once here my roommate entered the room laughing apparently they had entered the 
encountered a poster for the on-campus LGBT group and my apartment mate tore it down and threw it to the ground. My roommate then apparently stomped on it and spat on it before walking away. And oh another time, I, that's more than an oh dear. <laughs> I feel like, if, uh, oh, well, we're British, we're, we're reserved. Okay. Um, another time I was leaving the dorm and the apartment mate was entering when he called me over and the following conversation ensued. Basically, I had uh, the roommate said, sorry, apartment mate said, I had an altercation with some gay kid. Um, and when the uh, anonymous said they didn't want to hear about the story, um, they sort of seemed to react in a strange way. Uh, anonymous writes that I'm still not sure what they meant by this altercation, as it was my most recent interaction with him a few hours ago, and I'm not sure I want to know. So basically, anonymous writes they live with a bully. Should they move out and be forced to give them some kind of reason? outing themselves mm. as bi and left wing and face derision and shaming or should they keep quiet and spend as little time as possible in the room to avoid interacting with him apologies if this is a bit scatterbrained my thoughts on the matter are quite complicated I can imagine jeez good grief anonymous that is a uh, heavy stuff dan i read the email over to you what, what's your take okay. on this cheers thanks mate um that's really really tough isn't it yeah that's, I, that's I'm not trying an easy situation. to I I've well I worked in a kitchen um the end no I worked <laughs> in a kitchen um with a where and apparently this is sadly quite a common thing um language in kitchens is shocking anyone who's worked yeah. in the catering industry will absolutely know what I'm talking about but the head chef at this particular and it was quite a respectable place I was working um was just ju- insanely uh, ignorant and offensive and you know, um, sexist, racist, the whole shebang, you know, who would often describe one of my co-workers um, as a bundle of sticks, knowing full well that uh, he was uh, he was a gay man. Um, and uh, it reached a point where I, I felt so uncomfortable that I did confront the guy, actually, and say, look, um, I have no issue um, with this is a workplace. I really like enjoy it. I enjoy most of my coworkers, but I'm finding a lot of the language you're using incredibly offensive. Um, and I, I, you know, something needs to be done because if it continues, I'm not, I don't think I'm not going to be able to work here anymore. It ended up going to some kind of, uh, you know, uh, like a workplace tribunal, if you like, where we were sat on with several other people and, um, basically management, took my side and said yeah actually it's you know it's the 21st century mate you've got to just we know that it's a very you know um passionate hot-headed environment to work in but equally a little bit more consideration needs to go through you know what you're saying Mm. and the issue was kind of resolved i didn't have a kind of another bad experience like it which which as as appalling as this head chef was um clearly showed that he took it on board and did his best however he personally felt how he treated his co-workers um was still awful because chefs are like that, but his language was was considerably toned down. Um, so that was good. I think in your situation, it makes it even harder is that, you know, you're surrounded by friends who, who you know, there's, there's more relationships going on. It's more layered than just kind of like I was working as a as a, um, a runner and uh, and he's a chef. So, you know, I kind of just work under him. There's no kind of platonic relationship there. It's just professional. Um I really, I think this is one of the first times where I'm not sure what advice to give. Yeah. Because it's, it's really, it's really hard. I think it's, you know, it goes without saying you're doing an incredible job of putting up with this, this person. It's very brave. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, 
you know, it's a, he's a, he's a typical redneck stereotype. Um, uh, I can't imagine how hard that must be to to yeah. have to associate with someone like that on such a frequent basis. I don't know whether there's some kind of there's somewhere you can go, someone in in, in professional role on campus. But, uh, but the problem to, with that is, of course, is that it's not a a workplace dispute. If it's where you live, then yeah, I mean, but equally, no. you know, I don't know, you know, if if such an issue was occurring, say, in halls, a hall of residence at, at Exeter, well-being and, and probably actually just the university would clamp down on it. You know, they have they're 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 pretty yeah, helpful. Yeah, they they would, but I think that's because we we live in a country where these kind of viewpoints yeah. are not common. And from See, this rural is what I mean. USA, I imagine is is anything but. You know, it's yeah. This is what makes it harder because I, I can't personally. I don't really know what advice to give. And then also I can't relate it back to what I would do in that situation because I don't, my understanding of an American university, certainly, mm. yeah, small town, rural Missouri. Um, I, I get, I think that's really hard. I think, um, I think what I can do, I have a suggestion actually. Well, what I'm, what I can do is give you the advice that I think is the right thing to do. And then I will tell you what I would do in the situation. And mm-hmm. I think the right thing to do is to, um do something about it and move out because it is it is not right that you should have to live in fear of who you are uh you know because of how your apartment mates uh are um you shouldn't have to live in fear you shouldn't have to hide who you are like, i think that's a ge- generally a, a a truism for for everybody in life this is obviously very difficult and it's awkward but you know if you boil it down to brass tacks i think it comes down to the fact that you shouldn't have to live being afraid of expressing how you how you think and who you are as a person so mm-hmm. i think that is that's sort of the um uh ethical thing to do i personally would be too scared to do that i think i mm. if i was realistically in your situation i would just put a tight heavy lid on my feelings and just ride it out because i know that i wouldn't be able to change their minds they would just think oh is that the the, the gay dude left like uh, i guess he was a soy boy cuck or whatever you know how these mm. people think um like m- my actions aren't going to have any Im- impact on them and if, that's like a massive problem with with politics and particularly it seems american politics at the moment um so that's sort of the difference then between an ethical and a practical response what i suggest is this is i i think the most difficult um quandary the most difficult problem we've ever had in crisis Mm. corner can i suggest that if we are kind of at a loss i mean i've suggested i've given two possible responses can i suggest that our readers write in and next week on crisis corner we don't read out a crisis we read out our readers emails offering their advice and seeing what their perspectives are and particularly i would really like to emphasize guys if you are a reader who is in a situation like this perhaps you're lgbt and you're in a very right-wing society or a very right-wing part of the country um if you have ever been made to feel scared to you know be honest about who you are mm. i would really really like to hear from you and i think probably more than on any other issue we've touched on i think this is a yeah this, I agree. this would be a really good thing for you guys to email in and for us to read out what you guys think because clearly we are incapable of offering any meaningful advice and i feel like yeah. some of our readers will be able to help um i think also what what makes this one unique is that it's not even a case of not being able to offer advice i think this is one of the 
few times where I just I have no idea how to feel in this situation in terms of trying to sympathize and because it's so unlike anything that I've ever experienced I can't even meet anonymous halfway here it's so other you mm. know um it, it's you know, yeah readers this is the one time I think more than ever that that we're really we're really asking for your help now help us reader um, one Kenobi you're our only hope yeah um I think also it should be really important to to note that fi- Anonymous kind of concludes by saying, should I move out and be forced to give them some sort of reason why, thus outing myself as bisexual and lib- a liberal leftist and face derision and shaming, or should I keep quiet and just spend a little, more t- little time as possible um, but not be able to truly express myself? I think you can't consider that as an either-or because self-preservation is just as important as being true to yourself you know especially you know in 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 instances where you, i think there's there's going to be there it's perfectly okay to have some kind of middle ground here you can i'm sure that there would be a way of you being able to raise an issue but then also if you're not fully comfortable with completely outing yourself in this environment you shouldn't be feeling like you're going to have to make one choice because otherwise it's like what's you know that the, the the lesser of two evils, rock in a hard place situation, which I think is, you know, that may make the situation even worse. You know, hopefully with, 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 you know, with the listeners help with, with emails that we get in and we'll discuss next week. I'm sure that we're going to have a load of really, really good suggestions. Many of which will actually be, you know, might offer some kind of in between um, because both, you know, both of these ones are, are really, really tough. Yeah. I mean, anonymous, you are doing very brave, to be in your yeah. situation and i feel like you deserve um some responses which have real life mm. experiences behind them um and i think more than any other time on this podcast i would i would really really appreciate the readers to write in and yeah for us to i think actually i'm going to summarize the issue of this and kind of condense it into a tweet and tweet that out and see if anyone because re- we know well we could we could post a screenshot of like a condensed version and then say to people to email in um, yeah, that's true. That's we can, true. We can do well, that. Okay, whatever happens, it will be still remain completely anonymous. Yeah. Um, and and um, equally, if you want to specify in your response to anonymous that you yourself would like to be anonymized, then yes, that is absolutely fine. So yeah, I think as a rule of thumb, given that given that readers are responding to a crisis corner um, entry, any any reply any response will be anonymized. Yeah. Um, if you want to, you know, if if you want to be identified, and maybe if you if you want anonymous. To, to reach out to you then we can contact anonymous for you and pass on that contact information so you don't have to you know be so in the limelight yeah but anonymous we are we are 100 with you i've offered i said my two cents stick with it um next week we'll have a whole mm. section talking about this because i think it deserves it but mm. for now i feel like we should move on to lighter topics in yes in the final corner in correspondence corner all right, all right, all right. And we're here at last in Correspondence Corner. We're going to come, jump straight in. Um, uh, we've got an, an email here from Jesse. It says, uh, hello from New Zealand. Uh, dear ah, Simon and Dan, greetings as, from as New Zealand. Uh, previously in the podcast. Go. With the amazing chocolate. Um, greetings from New Zealand and shout out to all the Kiwi readers. I'm a long-time reader since episode zero. Wow. Since the, uh, the, um, the pilot episode. Um, but first-time writer... 
And I just want to tell you guys how much I love the Wikicast. Uh, and it's been a brilliant time. Well, thanks very much, Jesse. Um, I was born and raised in Taiwan and only moved to New Zealand a couple of years ago for university. Chinese Mandarin is my native language. So you guys, if you guys are still up for some language challenges, then here are some Chinese idioms and sayings that might interest you. Oh, God. I've put on Chinese characters in traditional form, the pronunciation and the meanings in English. Here we go. Well, I can't okay. see this email, so Dan, so I'm, I'm afraid you're going to have to do this on your own. Oh, you lie like a cheap watch. Okay, <laughs> um, here we go. I'll, I'll start. I'll start this first one. Zhu de bu ku zin de bu lai. That's the old <laughs> ones have to go, so the new ones can come. Um, in a way, you have to let go of the old stuff so you can embrace the new and better ones. Okay. Uh, so okay, so this is interesting. I'm trying to do this correctly. So I'm looking at the the angle of the kind of the marking above each vowel in the phonetic um, right. kind of spelling, um, and trying to because it's all about it's a tonal language, isn't it? Yes. Um, so because like so if I said like zhu and zhu, would they be two different things? Yeah, one goes up, one goes down, one's a constant. Yeah. yeah. So bearing that in mind, I'm now going to try apply that to the second one. Bearing in mind, and I re- the reason I'm prefacing this is because I'm trying to do an okay job. I'm not wanting to come across as culturally insensitive um, and just awful, but I no doubt that's probably what's going to happen. Um, so it's going to be shoo da be you. I'm just going. Shut up. Let me try. Chop of the heart. Shoo da wookie solo. Uh, the you ku zi ren du bi yu bai chi. There will always be dead branches in a big tree, like there are always idiots in a crowd. My personal credit. That's cool. That's I like a, that one. Yeah, that's nice. It rolls off the tongue, uh, that one. Yeah. Uh, Jesse goes on to say, also, I have a specific question for Dan. I'll be moving to Sydney next year and start my master's degree in marine science and management at the University of Sydney. And I'm just wondering if there's any tips for living in Australia. I've heard that New Zealand and Australia are quite similar, but my friends all appear to, uh, let's say, dislike Australia in some ways. Thanks again for the brilliant podcast and all the best for you guys. Lots of love, Jesse. Um, I'd say that New Zealand and Australia, like you say, are similar in some ways, but they're also really, really different in others. <laughs> you definitely just um, said arse. Sorry. well there we go Um, (laughs) it's been a long day I as far as tips I don't know be it's like a tip for 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 going anywhere be open minded Um, don't you know feel kind of comfortable and okay with exploring new things and and if if it all gets a bit much don't worry that's completely fine Um, you know as far as if you're moving from New Zealand to anywhere I feel Australia is is kind of a, at least a slightly more gentle move because they are um, similar. Um, but the Australian culture, I think you will, you'll notice is, is, is different. I've, um, I had friends who were from New Zealand, but I never myself went, but they're sort of, yeah, I think maybe Australia's maybe is a bit more intense. I don't know. Well, because it's a bigger country. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't mean intense in terms of scale. I mean, just the kind of the, the culture and the people um maybe just because it, because it's a i think it's a little bit more of a kind of sprawling metropolis whereas um i think that might be the first time australia has been described as a sprawling metropolis that is so <laughs> on so many levels not true no, i don't know even why even i said vaguely. that <laughs> no um well news yeah i don't know to be honest i don't know i think you'll 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 notice a difference 
and I don't know what those differences are, but it'll be different. Breaking reporting it's not on the Wikicast. Yeah, there we go. Thank you so much, Jesse, though, for, for your email. Um, God, wish. All the all the best with your master's degree. How and I'm really sorry for the uh, sorry for the pronunciations. Okay. Next up, we have an email from Jessica Minieri, uh, which is a lovely name. I like that. Hi, Simon and Dan. I like that order even more. Uh, I've been wanting to write in since I started listening to the Wikicast in June, and your episode on the women's liberation movement in Europe gave me the perfect opportunity. So, if you recall, we asked for feminist literature recommendations. So, Mm. I believe that is what Jessica has written in with. Uh, I'm an American student in the last year of my BA in History and Medieval Studies. I'm currently doing a research project right now on the subject of women's history and queenship in medieval and early modern Europe. Whilst these books were... While these book recommendations are probably not the kind you were looking for, as they are mostly related to queenship, they're still interesting ones to check out. Um... And the first one has already got me sold because it's called Game of Queens, The Women Who Made 16th Century Europe by Sarah Gristwood. Nice. That's an interesting one. Uh, Queenship in Medieval Europe by Theresa Ehrenfeit. I'm sorry, what? Her surname is Ehrenfeit. Gosh. Uh, And one feminist... uh, Oh, sorry. And and one modern feminist article, Gender, a Useful Category of Historical Analysis by Joan Scott. So that felt a game of queens I think I've heard of actually before. Mm, I think I have too, actually. I'm gonna, I might have to add that to my... Uh, um, what's it called? My Goodreads. Uh, because that does sound interesting. Yeah, it's got, it's got a good rating on Goodreads. Um, mm. Cool. Thank you for that, Jessica. Um, these works are great for learning about women's history and the various ways women are involved in politics throughout history. I'm also in the process of applying to do a PhD in European history. I'm equally oh. nervous and excited. Uh, funnily enough, just today, a very good friend of mine just handed in his PhD about concepts of uh, kingship in... Um, now, I, I, he actually published... Uh, he put a picture on his Facebook of his uh, title because you know that like, you take the picture of the thesis and everything. Um, it is images of kingship in bishops' biographies and deeds in twelfth century England and Germany. So very very similar actually, uh, but sort of the other flip flip, flip side of the coin. Um, uh, anyway, Jessica writes, uh, Simon, do you have any tips for calming my nerves about the application process? Love the podcast, makes my commute to university a lot better. Well, I'm glad that we brighten your commute. Um, in terms of application process tips, uh, basically just keep in mind the fact that you are applying to do something that you find fantastically interesting. And it is mm. the opportunity for you to study something that you think is really cool for four, well, actually, if you're in America, it might be seven or eight years. Um, it's an amazing opportunity. And I feel like it's very easy to get intimidated and scared, but don't lose sight of how awesome what you are like you're trying to do is like i feel like that then transfers the nerves from excited sorry from fearful nerves to excited nerves um and it gives you a lot more motivation so keep just just bear that in mind like what you are proposing to do is so awesome and you're so lucky to be in a situation to even try and do it um and yeah focus on that don't focus on like the any aspect of you being judged on your intellect or anything like that just focus on why it is that you're applying to do it and yeah i feel like that will get you through but Mm. thank you very much for the email that is i have added game of queens to my um my goodreads thank you very much for the recommendations we have another email here from grace carter Uh, the main reason i'm reading this article is because it's attached a picture is attached and i'm going a little bit insane it's a duck (laughs) it's a huge duck it's massive look at that big Um, thick boy Grace says, hi guys, I was just listening to episode 41 while cleaning my room and wanted to add 
add uh, to your discussion of ducks. Um, I don't have much experience with geese, which is a great phrase in itself. Um, I want that on a t-shirt, I um, but I can say without a shadow of a doubt. With geese. Yeah, with geese, yeah. But I can say without a shadow of a doubt that ducks are far more terrifying. Mm, Grace, I, I don't. Know. Oh, I don't know about that. I completed an undergrad at the University of Wollongong. Um, UOW and the campus that's is like, known for having a large. Is that the, that's the university that Murlocs go to? Because it it just sounds like Wollongong. <laughs> Wollongong, yeah. I lived uh, well. No, I lived near Warrnambool, I think. Um, that... But that's the that's the cool thing about city names in Australia that they've as a as a really token trite uh, a kind of way to soothe um, uh, native relations. A lot of places were renamed their original like um, Aborigine name. Hmm. So there's, um, uh, oh, I can't think of them right now, but there's some really oh, good ones. There's like Gundy Windy um, is one of them. I remember that one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the ones I used to live near. Um, anyway, I'm going to read this and then and then <laughs> I'll think, I'll try and think of some. Um, uh, and the campus is known for having a large duck population and one particularly nasty duck that lives near the uni bar, known as the evil duck. Nominative determinism at this point. There we go. Um, one day during my second year, I was sitting by the uni bar, uni bar pond eating lunch and there was a young family sitting nearby. Oh, While no. I was sitting there, the evil duck walked towards the pond. Noticing the small child near the water, it decided to jump on the back <laughs> and attack the child. Oh my God. The parents didn't know what to do and another student jumped to pull the duck off. This is not... God, pull the duck off. Wow, lucky wow, duck. lucky duck. You lucky duck. <laughs> there we so, go. See, in my head um, as well, like until, I, until you said that last bit, it was like a student was going to like dive in, like rugby yeah. tackle this duck off. And then apparently he just like... Wanked it off yeah wow this is not an uncommon struggle because um corkscrew penises yes they do there you go this is not an uncommon incident i have several friends who have had lunch stolen by or been chased off the lawns by this duck i have added a photo uh, so you can see how big these ducks are best grace they are big ducks i've got to say is the person who took this photo still alive because that i'm looking in the the soulless eye that is uh, i don't know whether it's a duck or a velociraptor I mean, it's a, velo- this is- a velociraptor of webbed feet. Mm. I mean, that's that fun fact. That's not actually red colouring uh, around its uh, eyes. That's blood. That's blood. Yeah, <laughs> it's recently feasted. <laughs> we'll have to put this on the Patreon. But oh my god, <laughs> that's such an evil-looking duck. Well, thank you for that email, Grace. If nothing else, just so we now have the phrase. I don't have much experience with geese in our vocabulary. I kind of want like mm. a print of that. With, like, I don't have much experience with geese, and then someone just like shrugging like overlaid over the top of it like oh sorry i don't have much experience with geese oh dear crazy lucky state of mind to be in and just before we go um we are going to as a bit of a teaser um we do have two uh fan fictions to read we're going to be saving those for next week we have a continuation of our previous jesus oh, christ lord. oh god oh my all of my teeth have fallen out <laughs> Oh god! This... <laughs> what am I going to get? I can't. <laughs> no, it's the um. I don't actually know what. It... Oh, it's the fairy lights. There we go. And don't worry, my teeth are my teeth are actually fine. Drool coming out of your mouth. We have episode two of Case of the Deleted Pixels by Joshua, and we have a new a new writer of the Wikicast. Anna Bryan uh, has has written in with uh, the Weatherman. Um, oh, I'm so hyped for uh, that part one. So we're gonna we're gonna do that uh, next week. We already know it's going to be good because she ends her email with "P.S. Dogs are better than cats," and "P.P.S. You're wrong about the Last Jedi." I like that. Anna. Well, That's good. I mean, it's, it's wrong on both counts, but I mean, yeah. I, I admire the spunk. 
Yeah. Much like the spunk of the evil duck. <laughs> yeah, God. Jesus. And on that bombshell. On that bombshell, yeah. What have we learned about... Sorry, no, that's your line. Sorry. Oh, it's all falling apart. Simon, what have we learned today? Well, Daniel, we have learned about Theo chocolate, which you might not be able to remember because apparently your memory is like a sieve today. Um, what? We've done it? What? Who? Yeah. It's the wiki. Oh. We'll take you home now. It's okay. Yeah. Just, all right. Wait, when did my teeth fall out? I forgot... <laughs> Oh, that yeah. broke me. Oh my god. Um yeah. We uh we, we learned about Theo chocolate. Um I just went up an octave for no reason. Uh which was uh, there, there's there's a few suspicious gaps in the timeline of this. Uh, someone dies of cancer and then nothing happens for 10 years. And now if someone uh, you were going to try and get some, weren't you? There's some of this mm. chocolate for us to eat. Uh, I'm not going to give up until I can get specifically I want to try and get this ghost chili one. However, if Oh, I don't know how we're going to do this. If if you are if you're willing to help us in this quest of, yeah, of trying to get in. this chocolate, email in. Um, email in, and we'll arrange a way of you sending it to us. And then you know, as a as a token of our respect, we'll 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 have a chat with you uh, privately. Oh, um, you snow, <laughs> you bourgeoisie bastard! I think as that's a, fair. as a token of if our respect. We'll be willing to talk to you. <laughs> no, I mean, but like, do them on a call, like a FaceTime call, like a, you know, like a natural thing, so they're actually getting more out of it than just hearing a. Obviously, if we do a, if we do a, a piece of media about us doing the chocolate, it will be a video. It's not going to be done on the podcast. Where we just go. Oh, yeah, it's quite. Oh, 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 it's quite hot. You know, there'll be some video ed- element to it. Um, but yeah, email in spongeelectric at gmail dot com. We had crisis. No, we did Critics Corner. We did Critics Corner. I was talking about Brian yes. Cox, and I also talked about Eaton, um, mm-hmm. and we were talking about Solo, and yep. then we had Crisis, which was the most, sort of, the toughest case we've ever seen. Um, yeah, you know, the first case that we haven't been able to crack. Gosh, I, I, my, my reputation as a consulting weatherman has been ruined. I know, it's tragic. So, uh, yeah, we... But yeah, um, again, to re- re-emphasize, this is a official call to arms of of the uh, of the yes. leadership. Rise um, up everyone. If, we need your yeah, help. Yeah. Do get in contact anywhere you can. Spongeelectric at gmail.com. You can tweet um you can tweet Simon or myself. Um, you know, at da- at Daniel J. Moore is me. Um Simon is Oh sorry, you were talking plug. about that me. was a plug for uh, you I could say Simon Oxfiz. Sorry. Okay. Flawless. It's great. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I as, was, as he said, I was it's looking been a at a picture day. of Sideshow Bob where they've taken his hair off and he looks like a cone head. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Sorry. Why not? Why not? Oh, I, 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 I'm glad to know that I've got your... This podcast has just degenerated so badly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we also, we did the correspondence corner as well. And we got fan really coming. Yes, that was it. <laughs> and that's all for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. You can like us on Facebook. And if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Thoughts on our crisis of the week, replacement teeth for Dan, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll see, see you next, next time. time. So, oh we need goodness. a crisis. We need a crisis. Um, Sounds like steam escaping. Crisis. We're going to do... Um, a weakling weighing 98 pounds <laughs> will get sand, sand in his face, face when kicked, kicked to the, the grind. grind. <laughs>